start recording. You got the tempo going. We're all good. Hey, look, we're in person. I don't need to like have you do a clap or anything because the sound is in sync because we're together. Amazing. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's way more natural. The, beautiful, <laughs> the beauty of podcasting in person. In person, yeah. Because I wanted to see your lovely face. Is that what it is? For more okay. than like 59 seconds. Yeah. And not just like via a screen, not like a Zoom call. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, which might have felt even more strange, actually, now that yeah. I think about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you say 59 seconds because that's usually our interactions, right? It's usually it's like, usually, hey, Levi. Yeah, it's like, you it's like hey, cool, cool. Actually, the last time I saw you in person, it was like I felt really bad because I knew we were going to do this. But yeah. like Peter was uh, just, you know, talking my ear off about something to do with these screens and stuff. And I was just like, uh... Yeah, I can't really, um, you know, say proper hello to you because uh, Peter's just, you know, and then you can also do it. And I was like, Peter, send me an email. Send me an email. So it's okay. Like this is a, God, we're like really going back down the rabbit hole. Um, last week's episode, we had a really funny like, e you know, person come in and, and say something to Phil about like, you know, loving the podcast and all that. And you know, mm -hmm. saying that uh, they wish we would talk about the cinema a little bit more. And they're getting it so much this week because Peter's been a character for a long time on this podcast. And now he's he's making a return. He's becoming he's, the he's, new Brian De Palma. He's He's been on the podcast. He's never been on the podcast, okay. but he's like gets talked about. He's he our barman. And if uh, you've been listening a long time, you probably heard us talk about Peter, the crazy vampire barman. <laughs> He is so like a vampire. His favorite movie is Interview with a Vampire as well. Yeah. Yeah. When I've told this before, but when um, what we do in the shadows yeah. uh, screened here, like I was, it was like, I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't really know what the film was. And oh, I, was, I was an usher at the time. And I, um, this was like when it just came out. And I didn't really, like, I hadn't seen any trailers. All I saw was like the poster outside. And uh, I went in to usher it, and I was like dying laughing. I was like, oh, my God, I need to chill out because I'm supposed to be working. And I was just like, that vampire's name that looks like Nosferatu is Peter? <laughs> it's all coming back to me as you're saying. Peter is a vampire. He would not be coming to the staff meeting. That was like our joke around here for a long time. Peter's 800 years old. Um, yeah. Welcome to the Pontreal Cinecast. Presented by the Prince Charles Cinema and the Breadcrumbs Collective. This is your host, Jonathan Foster. And I am here today, not with, not with Phil. There's a different voice here. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, sorry, Phil's gone. Yeah. I love Phil. I love listening to the podcast as well. Well, thank you. This is uh, Phil's Phil in. <laughs> um, I mean, like, now that Phil's not here. I'm going to like properly turn it into one of those cheese ball, like, you know, radio shows with all the sound effects. <laughs> and there's going to be like definitely like a laugh track there that would have been oh like gosh. a little rim shot, you yes. know, or like a wah wah. I know? feel like I'm missing out because I didn't yeah. get to listen to all the added stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not like a real producer. <laughs> Actually, I was on a podcast the other day. Shout out to, uh, Petros, who's a part of our little breadcrumbs collective family, he um, runs the Caged In Coppola Connections. So it's like a whole Nick Cage podcast. Oh. Um, he's been here before to intro like a Nick Cage marathon, I think, or a triple feature or something. Um, and he 
had us on for like a vampire's kiss sort of well he had myself on for like this vampire's kiss uh episode about i don't know it was like a round table sort of just halloween thing yeah and he had this little box set up like a proper little producer's thing and was playing all these sounds and stuff and i was just like and i feel so like that's I feel future. so shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the future. That's been going on for years, man. Since the '90s or '80s or something. I don't know. When did when did shout out hit us up at the PCC podcast? If you have any like knowledge, more knowledge than me, apparently of uh, <laughs> radios and how long they've been producing with soundboards. Man, I don't. How does the soundboard even? I wonder how much they paid all those people, you know, to do all the all the sounds on it. I is don't it know. is it the same sound? Like, do they sample it once and they just read? Like, is it one person who sells that sound to every other person? Maybe Imagine the bank because it's like if you if you actually fuck around in Logic and also like any other like Apple based like mo- like you know their movie maker or iMovie things or whatever, mm-hmm. they always have those like weird sounds embedded in. And okay. I kind of like feel bad because I'm really lazy, even though I know it's in Logic. I'll just like go and like download the clip off of youtube podcast <laughs> secrets of the pharaohs right here um oh god we haven't even said what your name is it's levi welcome uh, to the podcast levi thank you john it's an honor to be here um <laughs> i i you know yeah i only make movies so i can be here <laughs> nice you do you just work like a couple days a week here yeah because levi is a uh member of staff here at the prince Charles cinema this is an old school podcast episode mm-hmm um, which is very strange because I haven't done this in a long, long time. Question. Uh, so all the <laughs> <laughs> so all the members of staff that used to come on the show. Yeah. Did you like? Did you know them like well? Or to be honest, most of them I did at that time. Yeah. Because uh, back then I probably would have trained all of them, and I would have uh, oh. been like, you know, I think towards. Most of them, yeah. I was like still, I was still like a manager at that time and stuff. So a lot's changed in like the last couple of years where like I just strictly kind of do PR stuff mm-hmm. and the podcast is sort of side hustle stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the John dirty walks secret. In the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I feel really bad. I don't really get to know a lot of the people anymore. Um, so I don't know you interesting very well. There. They're all they're all boring. They're That's all the... boring. Yeah. Well, you're the most interesting one, I guess, because <laughs> oh, no. you get to come on. And we're doing this old school cool. episode, and it's for a very good reason, which is really cool because you've got a little season that you booked. Because like, look, Levi works here. He's a front of house staff member, which means you're slinging popcorn, you're selling those tickets, you're scanning I sell those tickets. So many tickets. You're you know? selling those memberships. Oh, oh yeah. Shining lights in people's faces. I love that. Kicking people out of the bathrooms who are having sex. Those naughty people. Oh, uh, what? that happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, that happened the other day. Did that? Yeah. Did that really? Yeah, yeah. It happens sometimes. Those people. I want to see Halloween uh, ends. <laughs> Look at this plug right here. Hey, if you go over there on Patreon, there's an episode where we talk about that movie. Uh, for all backers, patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. Um, and I swear someone was like having sex in the back row. It was very weird. It's, yeah, there was this girl sitting on this guy's lap and they were making these weird sounds and they kept getting up and coming back and then they just like, I don't know, maybe they hadn't had sex. Maybe it was like, you know, you know. A little bit of foreplay. Yeah, foreplay. <laughs> and then they like left 10 minutes before the finale. Yeah. I, I like, mean, All right. I think that finale maybe came a little bit earlier than the movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 
<laughs> I feel like it's strange the films that people decide to have fun in. Yeah. You know? It's because I think like something like that was happening in the movie I was in the other day. And I just couldn't believe it because of the movie that it was. I can't remember what it was, but I'm sure it was like a war film or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I could just, you could hear like every five or so minutes. Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody would turn around. Just like, wait for the explosion, baby. <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was here once and I swear there was two girls who got up during the middle. I swear, what was it? Was it like Mean Girls, I think? Mm. Uh, understandable. Yeah, yeah. Two, two young guess. women um, got up and then the next thing I know, I can't, they never came back and I thought it was kind of funny and they were all huggy and kissy and stuff and I came out of the screen, cleaned up and everything and I go upstairs and Natalie, you know, manager Nat was like, uh, yeah, I had to kick a couple girls out of the ladies' toilet for having sex in the cubicle and I was like, I think I know who that was. <laughs> it was the two young girls and she was like, yep. I was like, yeah, they were getting a little... I just touchy in there. Never thought about. Do I like movies too much? Yeah, dude, that was that's what I was thinking when I was in there watching like Halloween because I got really, really pissed off like because they came in late as well and shining fucking torches. I was just like, come on time, you know? Yeah. And even in one of those screenings as well because I was at the View and uh, you know we're no we're not shouting out them you know it's the anti no I don't care. <laughs> cinema <laughs> cinema 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 um i i was you know i'm i'm in there and you're like you already have to wait like 20 30 minutes before the fucking film starts oh after the advertised time anyway yeah. so it's just like you have actually you have a buffer time mm. you know people there's no love, reason why you should be late people to, love seeing late to cinema yeah it's, i don't understand you don't do it at the theater no like what kind of etiquette is it's this? too much money <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the cinema is cheap enough <laughs> to be a little bit late and nowadays not give a it's shit. not though it's not now yeah, but it's people like still quid. don't care it's crazy every time someone buys a cinema ticket i feel like you're robbing them slightly yeah not it, here our ticket not okay. here yeah, yeah yeah i think and i guess here the movies are a bit a little bit better but in some places yeah i'm like you know they're going to a picture house it's yeah like almost 20 20 quid yeah that's crazy I think I like the first time I noticed it was like Anchorman 2. And oh my God. <laughs> I didn't even want to go to the screening. Um, I don't even remember if I enjoyed it. Like, I liked the first Anchorman, but I don't remember liking the second one. I feel the same. I saw the first one. It, the first one's like a classic, though, right? Yeah. So you, I've seen it loads of times. And I remember seeing the second one and just thinking, this is funny. Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is funny. I've never once thought about it. Yeah. The only thing I've thought about from it is Will Smith being in it. Oh, yeah. I and being about like, yeah. this is so weird. Yeah, he was one of the other like groups of like newscasters or something. Yeah. That was a great scene, actually. That was a good scene. That was a good well, scene. Well, that was the scene of the film. Um, but yeah, it was just like I'm sitting there in the front row one because like, you know, somehow got tagged along to a stupid like birthday party thing. Um. It's one of my wife's friends, so shout out to Julia. Uh, she'll probably remember this, but like, you know, um, I feel bad because it was her friend. But yeah, I don't think either one of us wanted to particularly go see it. And when we got there, it was like 20 quid a ticket. And we were both like, oh, God. <laughs> and, like, and then they all, I think we're sitting kind of like front row, which is the worst. Oh, and one man. of these big screens in your neck is just like breaking. 
that I don't is, even remember what cinema it was. It's just strange. Like, for one thing, you don't want to pay that much money to see a film like that. And then yeah. to see a film like that in that way. Yeah. You know, I, you probably would have been happy just watching it at home. <laughs> 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 yeah, seriously. It's like, it's also like someone's like birthday party. And I feel really bad because I don't think we like stuck around for anything after, which is like, what's the point because like you just went to see a movie you can't that's the other thing it's like i don't get why people get so freaked out when they come to the cinema about like not being able to either a sit well i, I get sitting next to someone but like why they need to like talk or you know to the person they're with and what, all that during, sort of shit during, during the, the film and it's just oh like my. dude like i can can't never, you just sit down i don't get it i it film. freaks me out almost that you know you could sit in a dark room with a massive screen in front of you with massive sound and still feel the need to talk to the person yeah. next to you like the whole time. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get what they're talking yeah. about. But like, yeah. oh, did you put the laundry in the washer? Like, what? I mean, and it's like that thing, or maybe they're just talking about the movie and asking, asking questions. It's like, you're in the movie, just wait like a minute or yeah. two and it will probably just tell you. What's yeah, happening? yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did I miss? Hey, <laughs> hey, what did I miss? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, God, we're we're. All, I love this. I miss doing these because, like, we can just yammer about whatever, and it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I was in the middle of introducing you. You, uh, you're, yeah, you work here. You sling that popcorn and sell those tickets, and then you also uh, make movies on the side. Yeah. Or that's the main thing, actually. This is the side. I think, right? yeah, this is the side. Yeah. Um, it's definitely become the side now because I'm now at the point where I'm like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Um, yeah. And I just started university doing linguistics and language Ooh. and culture and stuff. So nice. Now I'm like, oh, I don't know how much of slinging the popcorn I can do, but I really wanted to do that. I really enjoy it. It's yeah. fun seeing the people who come to see movies, like who sees what. You know? Yeah, um, I think working here has taught me more than anything that people love Nicolas Cage. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've already out. dropped <laughs> yeah. that. Like, you know, that someone has a podcast about it, and he's not the only one. I was on there with another guy who had a Nicolas Cage podcast as well, yeah. a different one. I think it's. I was not. I like Nicolas Cage as much as, and well, maybe not as much as the average person because I didn't realize how much they liked it. But yeah. after working here and seeing more of his movies, I just love him. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, I, you know, watching Vampire's Kiss that was like the first time I'd properly seen it since I was like a little kid, and I just like yeah. I don't know why I'd never went back to watch that one. And um, yeah, it was uh, fucking great. Like it was just great. <laughs> it was like a I don't know. I think I was expecting more of like Nicolas Cage being uh, you know, Cage, and he was, but he was doing so much more that I just kind of wasn't really expecting. Like mm. you know, he kind of like turned into an orc in that film it was really weird you know like like he throughout the film is just like morphing and like yeah. it's like that's impressive it's actually actually great yeah. Isn't it? yeah it's not like just a, a laugh it's actually yeah. pretty fucking impressive it's, he's just so good at knowing when when he's just yeah he's just so good at knowing when um because when i first started working here it was when pig was coming oh, out yeah. and we showed yeah, that yeah. a lot and i remember seeing that film and being like i never heard of this film um I actually had an interview with the company that made that film oh, okay. like a month before. So I'd known that like it was on their books and it was meant to be a good one. Yeah. And I was crying so much in that movie. <laughs> yeah. He was just so 
I like people would obviously come in thinking they're going to see Nicolas Cage go full cage at some point because yeah. of the way the movie looks and the yeah. way that he looks in it. And it's just the opposite. Yeah, exact opposite. Yeah, I love that because that just shows that you can still do it. I'm, I'm glad that he's getting these like, you know, beefier roles to a point where he can he can go cage if he wants to go cage mm. or he can like just show you that he actually still has acting chops and stuff. And then you like, you know, it's like it makes it more interesting as a person of someone who's like just totally wrecked their like financial like status to a point where they had to take all these dumbass roles but like people still love those yeah i think that's such an inspiring story yeah (laughs) you can you can you can take shit and you can still be a legend mate i would to be honest like i i would rather be like doing a bunch of shitty movies and just kind of like making it by yeah and like paying my bills yeah than doing my everyday job you yeah, know like yeah, wouldn't true. most people like who cares you're, you're making movies like you know it, mm. it's different i think for you because you like and you can correct me if i'm wrong here because you're like actually writing and directing stuff <laughs> like you don't want to be like just doing trash unless if you think it's kind of fun well that's the difference i guess between being an actor and being like a behind the camera is yeah. that it's too much work to do stuff just for the sake of it. Yeah. Like, like even you, when I've you're tried. You're pouring it's, too much of yourself into yeah, it. Yeah, it takes too long. It's like yeah. a year. It's taken, every short film I've done has taken a year to do. Yeah. Um, it's like, who wants to be doing something you don't really care about for <laughs> yeah. a year? Whereas yeah. if you're an actor, you can just go in and go out like yeah, after yeah, a few yeah. days or like a month or something. I don't mean that to disparage actors because there are serious actors out there who do want to do a good job. None of them are serious if they're doing acting. (laughs) (laughs) Face. Yeah. Oh, it's just like taking me back to like, like I listened to, uh, like, uh, you know, I'm from America and I I love baseball. Mr. Baseball. Like, you know, people know that. Weirdly, I was thinking about, I had this boss who, can I, yeah, I can say this. Um, I had this boss who I worked for a really shady company and we all just thought it was a money laundering scheme. And one of the days he opens the boot of his car, there's nothing in his car except for a baseball bat. And we were all like, (laughs) and I was like, what if his son, like any other British kid loves baseball? (laughs) No, that baseball bat was used for different, different things. Yeah. I saw a tweet about that, like uh, about like how, baseball bats are like the number one like the number two or three like selling like sports equipment here in the uk but like (laughs) no one plays baseball that is i don't know if that's true but that was like it was a joke well it's true that no one plays it yeah no one plays Um, people have them though so yeah i think they're just used to (laughs) yeah i've never seen anyone actually playing but the thing I was saying, there was a there's a baseball podcast I listened to. Fucking that sounds boring, right? B- baseball podcast. <laughs> but they were uh, they there's a guy who is on this podcast who's like a former player, and mm-hmm. he was like um, an actual like in the field batter, you know, and all that sort of thing. And he just always rags on the pitchers. So I feel like you're kind of like. You're doing that like you're director, but, but you're ragging on the actors, and it's just like, yeah, I love let's, actors. Let's get it. Like, I just think they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I acted in a movie. Yes, you yeah, did. I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> I'll be in your movie as a monster. I'm still like, I swear, I say that to everybody, and no one like fucking cast me yet. <laughs> you Come on, do. You I want to be a monster all the time. 
I want to be that person for you. I want to yeah. get you. In Chevy that said that to me. Phil said that to me. We're just saying you it guys to be nice. To me? <laughs> <laughs> to make me feel good. Well, let's let's go all the way back. You're from here in the UK, right? Yeah, I was born in Westminster down the road. Ooh, yeah, London, London Mall. Um, and I grew up in like mostly South London by like Elephant and Castle, Peckham. Sweet. I used to and live then, over that way. And now I now I live there, but we moved away. I moved to Northamptonshire and I lived there for a long while. Went to boarding school in Nigeria, came back, wow. moved back from there to here, to London. Nice. Again. And how did you get into like film? Like what was your gateway? Is there any sort of like thing you're like, man, this I want to do this? Oh, I was pretty I was pretty late like i was maybe 17 18 it was when i started doing film studies at a levels uh mm. i had no idea people it was actually the moment i realized people got paid to make <laughs> movies that's when i was like oh shit i just thought movies appeared from the sky you know yeah so As, this was like what like a because i'm always confused by a levels but this would have been like towards your end of schooling so, so you would have just been in regular school in a class yeah. so it's not like you like went out of your way like oh i'm doing like film studies yeah like, no yeah. yeah i was not a great student mm -hmm. um or that academic and i didn't know what subjects to pick. So yeah this is high school level yeah so you're um, kind of like just filling the gaps like yeah. I, I was doing that a bit I had yeah a few i was classes, like so i like star wars <laughs> <laughs> do film studies yeah. probably easy it was easy yeah <laughs> and i realized that i liked it and people got paid so that could be a job um, sweet and then in film studies, yeah, we started watching all these movies like La Hen and City of God and mm. things like that. And then I was like, oh, there are other movies. I had only seen things like Transformers and like yeah. Indiana Jones, yeah. which I love. Indiana yeah, nothing Jones. wrong with any of that yeah. shit. But there's <laughs> yeah. other, there's other like, yeah. there's like, there's actually like a, there could be a different kind of art to it. Like yeah, there that. was like art, basically. Yeah. Um, and that made me think, oh, I could maybe do this. Uh, yeah. And then after that, I, instead of going to university, I decided, well, because I, I wasn't very good at school, I didn't really want to go back into education again. So I just decided to move back to London, try and find any job in a film yeah, and do an apprenticeship in anything else so I could just learn, get paid, and then be doing film stuff and learning whilst I was doing it. You know? Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Something like kind of an interesting way to kind of get into it because you can see it from a completely different side of like... The business side of it and how they're like mm. you know actually producing these films and stuff and did it did it help you out any when you like started to actually make your own things like to see any of that side of it i would say the thing that helped the most was because the first job i had which was i had for like three four years was working at it was working at that shady production company <laughs> um and there you got to well because you knew you didn't need to make money in that company yeah <laughs> you could pretty much do whatever um and that meant like podcasts editing uh being on camera being behind the camera you just got to play around with everything and then i just learned a little bit about everything sound picture yeah um so you're saying you didn't need to like actually do anything we were given assignments so it was like we sometimes do corporate videos sometimes yeah. did documentaries and a lot of the time we did like these online sort of content sort of things, yeah. like top 10, like a watch mojo sort yeah. of vibe, you know? Is um, this place still like, you know, 
in existence. I don't know. So I, like, I think about that every day. Jump back over there and just be like, uh, it was a very easy way to make money for like three, four years <laughs> living in London. It really, really was. Yeah. It was very cushy. But, you know, getting paid in cash can sometimes. Oh, okay. You, yeah. you want to get like a saying, proper yeah. job at some yeah, point, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, so. yeah, like, that, that's such a faff as well. Yeah. Doing yeah. Uh, freelancing and stuff. And, oh, like, yeah. yeah, it's like my wife does it and stuff. And she has to deal with like a lot of her all the tax stuff and it's just like a headache financially a headache. it is a headache so yeah. when you when you get to the point of like maybe i should be a real adult you think i should just get another job so financially my life can be stable yeah even if this money is enough to technically be stable it's not real <laughs> money <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not real yeah it's like i may pay my rent yeah i can yeah. pay it uh, but that's about it uh, mm. it's kind of a it was a it was a weird cycle. I was quite young. So there were people older than me who'd maybe been to union working there. And so you would get in this cycle of comfortability of like, mm. I know I'm earning enough and this job I can do and it's simple and maybe I get to do creative things. Yeah. Um, so you just think, ah, oh, I will just stay in this until something better comes along. But then you don't really need to search for the better thing because you're yeah. doing it five days a week. And then, yeah, it would. it was kind of like a a purgatory for people who were creative and didn't have that job yet yeah um now i know a lot of people like uh people that i worked with there who i've worked with on films and done tv shows and whatever and people who i worked with there who are like models and stuff now so it was like yeah it was a weird little purgatory for people who were talented but not there yet yeah no but i think it's cool though that you've uh you know kind of taken that route because i always just really appreciate DIY sort of like approach to like mm. getting into things that you're interested in. Because yeah. um, sometimes like not everyone's going to be able to afford to go to school or like, you know, or afford to like be able to take that amount of time out of like, you know, a, you know, I guess if you're driven to like just start making stuff that like you feel like you put yourself on hold to like be in school for a bit and yeah. stuff and like you know just that you've decided oh well i'm just gonna go ahead and start making some mm. movies and stuff and that's really cool it's kind of thing yeah you can just start doing it and you it's just so much better to learn by doing um mm. and the more you do the less worried you are about doing it i don't know making movies is really stressful and like yeah. psychologically taxing <laughs> so the more you do it the more um I guess not, not, not even just the more you do it, but the more you think about doing it is also yeah. good because it takes a lot of time. You know, you have prep time to think about what you're going to do. Um, it's like the only art form. People always say movies is the only art form where you're timed. You yeah. know, a painter does a painting and they don't have to like worry about eight or so hours and this much money to do it. Yeah. You yeah. just start and, you know. So yeah. I think if you do that with your like career as a filmmaker, like just start. You never know. Like people just want to see stories and shit. Absolutely, <laughs> stories and shit. Stories and shit. Some people <laughs> like to see that shit in that story. <laughs> yeah. How many like shorts have you done now? It's like a handful you have now. I feel so embarrassed when people ask me this. I've done three shorts. Yeah. This short, the smell of cut grass, which yeah. is showing, is actually my second short. Okay, and then when you like made something after, yeah. So yeah. I did. Um, I basically did one short 
which I I had done like a like a little documentary and like fun experimental like skate videos with my friends. Nice. Um, and then I did a narrative short, which I hated and had like a, it was a great experience to do, but I learned so much from doing it. Like yeah. that's not what I should be doing. Um, then did a web series a couple years after and the web series really took off. It was like a sci-fi series. It was very low, low budget. Um, and then that led me to this short, The Smoke Cut Grass. Yeah. Then um, when I got the job to do this movie, I think whilst I was in post on this movie, I got a couple of other jobs. So I got a BFI short, um, which is I'm finishing now. Sweet. And then I got a job to direct an episode of a web series and like action sci-fi series. And I, I'm about to start post on that now nice. as well. Cool. And I was already writing features before I did my first short. I was writing stuff for a while, but just thought, oh, I need to like get directing so I can learn from seeing it be on screen. Yeah. Um, so then I like now I'm doing a feature film and that is with the company and producer that did this film, but I yeah. pitched that to them whilst I was doing that film. Like, you know, <laughs> so it's a Already cascade door, of, yeah. of, of, of things that is like, it's like a lot of things I'm catching up to are going to come out like in the next few months. And that's cool though. I mean, it's yeah. good. You're just like continuing to work and you're building up a like young resume and it's like, sometimes you have to do those things that maybe you don't really Mm. like you know after a while like you know because i'm like i play music and my first album like i fucking hate it now when i hear yeah. it back like i'm just like oh god i mean i still like some of the songs it's just like the is that album a, is that just the thing about your first thing because like i like some of the scenes and maybe even the way things are constructed or a lot of my style is still from that film is still there in my other films yeah. but just maybe like the topic or the execution wasn't like not 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 even bad just not i guess you're just learning your, yourself right yeah yeah i guess because like you know you only get better with doing as well yeah i mean it doesn't matter like if you've gone to school and stuff like that as well because like you know you, they can show you how to do stuff a million times but until you actually start doing yeah i was like when i was training people it was always show do tell that's the best way to train so people. Do you tell. So yeah. you show someone how to do it, you have them do it, and then they tell you how to do it. Mm. And that's like, you know, that's a way to know that they know how to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so, yeah. you know, it's like that. I think that's the best way with like kind of any sort of learning of how to do anything is like mm. you can be shown, but maybe you're showing as you seeing someone else how they've done it. Like, you know, I guess you probably yeah. watched a lot of films and stuff and just been like, oh, I like what they're doing there. And, you know, then yeah. you try it. Yeah. I th Yeah. I mean, yeah. And you're only going to yeah. get better. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just kind of look at, and I think that's as the reason with films, you don't really need to go to schools because you need to just, it's better to just watch films yeah. and just see what you like and, spend time like your own time learning about what things you like like how they're done yeah and then when you try and do it you'll get a very very quickly you'll get a vibe for like if you like doing that yeah not. absolutely i think like people who definitely should go for film school are probably producers <laughs> oh know? yeah someone who's actually like in charge of something yeah you know, like uh it's the, the mystery person in charge that like unless if you know about film you probably don't even think about the producer People being the boss. don't know how much producers do they yeah. do everything and they 
they're the ones taking care of the money and you know it's scheduling everything and making sure everybody's where they need to be i was on a (laughs) doing development with film with film london on this feature the last few weeks for production finance market at, at lff and they did a lot of workshops and panels on mostly producing and like the finance aspect and there's like things i don't need to really know because i'm the writer director but i learned so much about how a film gets to like here the cinema like yeah. gets to the point where you watch it and not even just you watching it but your idea of what that film is going to be as yeah. well is so much of it is set up earlier on and it was fascinating i was like this is shit you could literally never learn unless you were going to these things and going to school and yeah it's just like having someone properly tell you like yeah you need and to do this people who do it being like this is how we do it this is how we do it that's great like um so what was your gateway to the prince charles cinema then like because we're going to weave these two things together. You're making films, and then you start working here. Um, so we're telling your story here. How you got to the season that get, we're doing. Oh, it's the season. Well, um, how'd you get to the cinema first? The cinema, I think I was doing, I was doing the, maybe started doing the BFI film, finishing The Smell of Cut Grass. Yeah. And I had just, I had a job during the first part of COVID. Uh, so I had a bit of money saved then just spent time making film for like a year or year and a half mm-hmm. coming out of COVID needed another job. Um, wanted to kind of still focus on films and I'd already had like sort of corporate jobs and jobs in filmmaking my whole life. And this is actually the first job I've had, which is not filmmaking. Oh, nice. Um, it's but it's still doing with film. It's still to do with <laughs> film. Um, and I just loved the idea of it. And I saw the job come up and I was like, oh, sure, I'll do that. And I hadn't even been to cinema more than a couple of times. So I didn't yeah. really know it super well. I just knew the program was awesome. Yeah. Um, which is how the program, I knew the program was awesome. So I already knew when I joined that at some point I'd want to learn about programming here because yeah. Paul is doing a great, great job. Yeah, I knew that that was a thing about you that you had uh, reached out a couple of times because it was a, a period of time where we were trying to, we had a lot of new staff come on mm. and trying to find things for people to do. And I knew that you were particularly interested in getting into the programming side and stuff. And it's really hard here in general, just like finding time and hours yeah. and <laughs> such a small staff and small, like, you know, I don't know money is always tight and stuff so it's like it's so hard to like yeah i didn't expect anything really um because yeah being new and stuff i was more like i'm interested in this i'm gonna work here for a bit first and get you know used to being here and everybody you know before i even really can be a smart way to do it though that's the way to do anything here i think it's best to like start you know ground floor and just kind of like get to know does this place is like a different monster it's like i've never worked at another cinema but everybody who's yeah. worked at another cinema has worked here there's like oh, it's like completely different they it's always say that place. it makes me think this is special it is it is like um you can get bogged down i think a lot of times because every every job is a job is mm-hmm. a job is a job you know it's like it's there's always going to be ups and downs to any sort of you know work you do that like isn't necessarily like 100% like the thing you want to do for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. But, um, you know, it's 
you you had to stop and just like man this place is really special though it's it like is. it's it's an amazing place and i feel like the more time you spend the more you think that because i guess that's kind of that's what phil's movie is about right yeah it's yeah, like absolutely you get through you get through a patch of being like you get used to it and it becomes a job and then things happen again and you're like oh yeah this is why i work here um because yeah. i've worked here like a year now so when i first started i think there was like uh it was around this time last year, so there was like LFF, and mm -hmm. that was like really big. And I'd been to LFF as press and stuff before, but being on the other side of it was fascinating. And you know, we had the Q and A's here, and you're like, wow, you just get to be around it the whole time. Yeah, Halloween and Christmas, and you see people come to the movies. Like, you're like, oh, this is this is really nice. Um, and then you get like, I guess January is always no. February in the UK because January we get our movies late. So February when all the shit movies come out. Yeah. Like, it just, it's like a slow. weird slow time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like post Christmas calm down is always kind of funny here. But it's like chaotic. LFF, Halloween, Christmas. Yeah. It's kind of nonstop. And I think at the time you can get really like fuck because like it gets it's tight schedule wise as well mm. like with uh a lot of staff either going like you know the staff who've been here for quite a few years they usually get kind of like first ability to take a holiday and then yeah. a lot of the newer staff kind of get stuck on a graveyard shift yeah and you're just working every day seeing the same films but like there's something intoxicating about that like mold wine fumes like going around I the cinema it. and it's it. just like you stop and just like this is actually like fucking great yeah i, <laughs> I know, think like, like I, I i love like someone who someone who makes movies I'd never really gotten to see who comes to see movies. Yeah. Like really. And certain kinds of movies and what, like what I said about Nicolas Cage. Like I remember the first month of working here and how many people just would come into the cinema and just be like, the new Nicolas Cage movie. I want a ticket for that. Like they don't <laughs> know what the movie is. Yeah. They just say Nicolas Cage. Yeah. I'm paying money. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah, I we just do love that. so well with Nicolas Cage stuff here as well. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like we're like the Mecca for Nicolas Cage films here in yeah. London. So it's great. Like, you know, and it's also, I think that's the interesting thing about the time you came on is like the, from my perspective, cause like I assist Paul, shout out Paul, name dropped him a couple shout times. Shout out Paul. Um, I, I assist him mo mostly, I do, you know, PR marketing here at the cinema, but like, you know, I'll help him out with like things in the programming stuff. I don't really do any programming per se, but he'll ask some ideas on my, like, you know, um, we just did it, even though I haven't done it yet. But um, this is the secret of podcasting. I'm recording an episode ahead of time. But uh, this Friday or last Friday, um, we did our stupid triple feature thing with uh, Scream. Scream. I know what you did last summer in Scary Movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which yeah. I programmed that. But, cool. you know, you know, it's like I don't really program. But, like, you get the idea of, like, there's a different clientele here post-pandemic and it's interesting like you start to see a different kind of audience roll in yeah it's not quite the same as it was really? before it's interesting it's, it's this place changing. has got street cred man it's got hella street <laughs> cred when i was at uh the finance market so uh i guess i should explain what that is it's kind of like during lff you know there's films and stuff and then you have like other things that go on beside it for industry and yeah the finance markets where people get selected that with their films and their teams to like pitch their films to all the studios yeah. in the UK. Buy it, please. Buy it. Yeah. Give us money. Um, when I was there, anytime I mentioned I worked at the Prince Charles, 
like that person would be like, oh, the Prince Charles, that's the best <laughs> cinema in London. Kate, uh, can you, uh, I have this movie, can you put this on? Like, you know, they like recommend things to program. And that was like everybody. That was yeah. like, you know, people at BBC and stuff. And it just made me realize how much people love it. Like yeah. it's, I think someone said it's like, it's like the filmmaker cinema. It's like people who love cinema. Yeah, love yeah. Cinema. It's a weird one because like, it's one of those things that like, Joe Schmo on the street doesn't seem to know. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, I work at the Prince Charles Cinema. And they're like, I don't know that one. It's like, it's in yeah. Leicester Square. And they're like, and then they're like, oh, oh yeah, no. <laughs> and, then, and then it always comes back around to like, oh, I think I went to like a sing along like Greece there once. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're the sing along cinema. Like, yeah. that was for the longest time what yeah. we were. Oh, it's a sing-along cinema. And there are I think still people who the, say that. Yeah, it's like the program for a while, like, and it kind of was, like, bad for when I first started for, not bad, but, you know, it was, like, always a quote-along, sing-along something, like, at the weekend. So I think mm-hmm. people just, like, associated us with that. But it's kind of nice that, like, that's sort of, I, I mean, those are fun, super fun, and that's what makes this place really special. But it's nice that, like, that isn't all we really are now mm. and it's like we're slowly morphing into a place that's like yeah you can come see like Wong Kar Wai here or you could see like you can come see Criterion Collection or you can yeah. come see The Room you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that's what the magic of this place is yeah. like it's like it has all that stuff plus there's just like really good shit and yeah. then there's like the you know the dumbest the dumb which is like what it I think a really good cinema should be, you know, yeah. especially a rep cinema, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, I, I, I think it's the coolest cinema in yeah. in the country. I think one of the coolest cinemas in the world. It's okay. Jamie can come down here talking. <laughs> Jamie, people have been requesting we do another uh, uh, projection no, no. episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ! I was going to get blurred out. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to listen to that episode. Yeah, Um, yeah, we've done a couple of projection episodes, and uh, Jamie's always pretty funny when he's on. But um, yeah, it is what it is. Jamie, interesting person. He's actually a really big sweetheart when he actually comes on the podcast. So it's really bizarre. (laughs) So I don't really understand. He's like a different person. Bizarre because he's not like that. Yeah, he's usually just talking <laughs> shit the whole time. <laughs> he really is, and it's really kind of great. Whenever Jamie, like, like the other day, uh, we were showing Hereditary, I think, and I came out because I was ushering it, and Jamie was like, "Oh, you know what? Like, I'd seen it once, and I wasn't sure about it, but seeing bits of it again, I think I really want to watch that movie." And uh, talking about the scenes from the movie, and it's like. Jamie, yeah, you like funny, movie? I kind of like- said that last week on the podcast. I was like talking about how, like, uh, you know, because I was like, "Oh, people want another projection episode," and I was like, "That's great! Like, those episodes mm-hmm. are great." But we can't do that every week because the pro- projectionists just don't really want to come on the podcast. <laughs> and it was like every so often they don't like movies. <laughs> yeah, it's like every so often they'll like pop out with something that's just like, "Oh wow!" Like you actually still like there's someone in there that still likes <laughs> cinema a little bit you're not just, just a shell <laughs> yeah yeah a broken man who yeah. just like, plays the films but um <laughs> but no those conversations are always incredibly interesting and stuff because like i guess people always like that's the magic of cinema especially this place because we do show things like you know in 35 and 70 and stuff so it's like 
how does this place work? I want to know. And I, I've, you know, I've talked to people like, you know, um, you know, it wouldn't be a, one of these episodes if there wasn't some sort of wrestling reference. But like, uh, I used to do these shows with like Wrestle Talk. There's like a YouTube uh, wrestling show or whatever, and they would come here and play like wrestling related movies, and oh, uh, cool. I would help like program that stuff. And um, you know, like they would always ask me like, how does the Prince Charles Cinema work? And I'm like, dude, no, I don't think anyone here knows. No <laughs> you one know, knows how no one knows. Works. It's just like fucking cinemas just are works. conceived and they're given birth to. Yeah. And then like, you know, crazy come people come and like run them. Yeah. And somehow people come. Yeah. I mean, I heard a couple stories about, uh, I think someone who works here, you know, Julia, you know, yeah. Julia? yeah her dad, I think owns a cinema or runs oh, yeah. a cinema in New York. And it's nice. just something they do for fun. And there's another cinema that opened around the corner. And uh, someone who, who works there was telling me like, oh, it's just run by this old guy who used to own a law firm who decided to sell his law firm. And he likes films and to make a cinema. Wow. Yeah. Is that like, the garden? That's, yeah. Yeah. Newest uh Newest kid on the block. Newest kid on the block. (laughs) Go check them out. I'm sure they have a good little thing going on. I still haven't had a chance to go over there. But um, yeah, I feel like someone, did someone who works here get a job there as well? Someone did. Yeah. Someone did. Traitor. No, (laughs) I don't want to out them here because they'll get lynched. (laughs) Uh, I don't mind supporting other cinemas. Like, it's fun to make a joke about like that, but it's just like just go see movies you just know? go yeah we are, we're all working in the same business yeah so. we need cinemas to exist you know yeah. like i don't know like you know if all the cinemas started to collapse like you know it would be kind of scary for us because i know we are a very particular program and we don't necessarily like need the mainstream films and all that but yeah. like at the same time it's like if cinemas collapse then like the business the whole business model like seems like it's redundant yeah and it's just like could that just you know implode everything you know so cinemas will never die they can't die um well that brings us to you being here for this podcast particularly because you have your queer communal cinema season mm-hmm. that you've uh, booked here so you said that you were working your little way through feeling comfortable here and then finally reaching out and Paul allowed you to do a little bit of programming. Yeah. I was just like, I want to learn some programming. I'll do whatever you want me to do. (laughs) I will sell myself. He's Uh, like, leave me alone. That's what I want. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Um, Shit. Can I, oh wait, sorry. Can I swear on this? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just Uh, blurt out what Jamie said because it was just like, Offensive towards <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one, yeah, one day I came in one afternoon and uh, we had a chat and he kind of taught me about everything that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at one point he was, I think, you know, he was like, oh, is there anything you want to put on? And so I kind of came up with a few different things, like maybe three, four different seasons for things, pitched them to him and we were just kind of talking about movies and what things we liked and the ideas. And um, he had already seen my short. Um, I can't remember how or why, but he'd seen it. And then we started talking about that. And then 
I was talking about how actually one of the seasons that I pitched was things I started coming into contact with when I was prepping for that short. And okay. These are films that like uh, Ang Lee's like first three films, uh, Pushing Hands, The Wedding Banquet, and uh, Emma was one of those films. Um, and they were just like communal queer cinema, like these queer films, but they were about communities and families. And I was really interested in that and want to keep making films about that. But that was the first time I'd come into film in, into contact with films that were like this. Yeah. And I felt like they weren't really uh, that popular. Like that maybe I felt like they were films that people would love if they watched. Like Emma was a film that came out during COVID and people who watched it loved it. But it was only really on movie and not for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I was like, it would be great if this was in a cinema and we could, you know, get community to come and see these films. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then he came up with the idea of, oh, you know, I love shorts before features. You have that short and this inspired those sh that short. Why don't you just play the short before the film? Yeah, absolutely. And that's The Smell of Cut Grass, your uh, latest short that's actually coming out. Is, is this going to be sort of the premiere, I guess? This of is it? the world premiere of Ooh. the movie. Yeah. Is that like daunting at all? Um, yes, it is, but less daunting because... No, actually, it is. It's massively daunting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I finished it like last December. Yeah. Um, so it's been a, quite a while, and it's more daunting because it's not. It's not at a festival. It's like people are coming to see the features, mm -hmm. or they're coming to see this movie, and it's like a theatrical run for a movie. It's going to be in the cinema for like three weeks or something. So it's actually quite a what's the way uh an unorthodox way to have a short film come out yeah yeah because a lot of times they get packed into like maybe a shorts program in yeah in a festival or something yeah. like that yeah which i don't dislike but it feels like you know whenever you watch your film you're thinking oh it's going to be five other films either side of it yeah but obviously when you're making the film you don't think that you just think i'm making a movie and I didn't make this film. It was a commission, so I was just not thinking about really festivals or anything. I was just thinking I want to make a good movie, and anything I make, I always think I want to watch it in the cinema, so it has to feel good in the cinema. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because you said that about like how Paul had seen your short, and then like I have ran into that funny thing as well, where you like I was like, oh, well, we're gonna have you on the podcast, so Levi, can you send me like you know a screener of your short? Yeah. And then I start watching it and I was like, oh, I've seen this before. Yeah. I'm like, I, and I guess you had like popped it in because we have like a Facebook or at least, well, I mean, we still do, but no one uses it anymore. Yeah. But a Facebook group for the cinema. Mm. Must have been you just like popped it in there and I watched it. When via I that finished or it last year, I popped it in around Christmas time. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, it's Christmas and I just finished my film and I was, I was working like every day, Yeah. you know, cutting the movie with my editor and. I was so tired, but so happy it was done. And I just wanted some people to see it. And yeah. So I posted it and yeah, it was nice, nice getting. Yeah, it's uh, a really good short. To be honest, like now that you've explained it the way about the family and community sort of thing of like, you know, I feel really completely unprepared to this week and stuff because I've recorded like I think five episodes like <laughs> so close back to back now and like we did like quite a few the other day yeah but like I was like oh man I'm not gonna prep 
as much. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't because it's like sometimes more fun just to sit and talk. Yeah. And uh, that's like what I wanted to do with you is just kind of get to know you a little bit better and have this chat. And uh, but now, like, haven't seen that short a couple of times now. I'm just thinking about the way you've worded it together because the main character, like, without spoiling it too much, but the main character is a um, at this house cutting grass. Mm-hmm. And there's like a relationship, obviously, that is yeah. breaking down in the background, but then finding a new family within yeah. like this group of women who are all living in a house. Yeah. So it's like a interesting kind of way to think of it that way of like the communities being built, but also like there's a relation, like there's always like harm that's kind of like, I don't know, a lot of these films that, like particularly because I haven't seen Emma and I haven't seen The World to Come, but Brokeback Mountain mm-hmm. about the idea of like the, there's like, you know, with I guess a lot in queer cinema and stuff, there's like a lot of, there can be a lot of that like, uh, you know, in the background of films like, especially Brokeback, like where, you know, it's being queer and stuff isn't always like the yeah. thing that like you're allowed to be, you know, especially at that time. And, yeah. you know, and then it's like a secret and it's like the families around having to deal with, yeah, you know, the secret of finding out about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's a fascinating thing because what I found when I was watching these movies, when I was prepping the film was that like, actually queerness was it's pretty much parallel with identity mm-hmm. and actually the don't want to say society the society the <laughs> the social norms actually um manifest the identity that the character thinks they should be usually yeah. and that doesn't include queerness so them being queer is usually like this private uh internal thing going on where they don't really know who to be um, even if they know how they feel. And that's like where the conflict usually comes from. Um, and it usually takes like another person who feels more comfortable or is more willing to risk, you know, the conflict between community and identity uh, to like help help that germinate and help that become uh, like whole and full. And then I, you know, you got films like Ama where, that is like that but it's even more nuanced because it's not even just about it's not even really about being queer in that film Mm. it's really about like the identity that they wanted to establish of like a kind of new version of community yeah so that how how they feel they are is more accepted and can become the norm you know yeah um so it's uh not revolutionary it's progressive yeah um and I just thought that was so fascinating <laughs> and that it was like a common theme that actually everybody can kind of relate to really is, especially growing up. It's, I remember making this film and thinking, oh, I didn't want to make like a coming of age story. I wanted to make like a coming of love story. So like yeah. any time in your life where you feel like you become more open and more yourself so that you can love yourself and love others. And that's what all these films kind of were. It was like, how does how does one achieve that? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's like an interesting thing about like being a filmmaker as well. You know, like or doing any sort of art is just like you know you can apply that sort of mindset to like how do you become these things and how can this be your new you know your normal your yeah. identity of being yeah. that and like without 
society telling you like, oh, that's not realistic. You know, <laughs> are you going to put food on your table? You know? And I know yeah. I, you know, struggle with that sort of stuff because I want to do creative stuff. But at the same time, it's like. It's always a struggle. I, I still struggle with that now. Not to say like, oh, I should be, you know, Transformers 6 I'm already looking at and, you know, just trying to put food on the table. No, but like, even if you make good stuff or you feel like your career is getting better, you st my mind is always, this is a job. I want to be able to pay my rent and eat food. Yeah. That's all I care about, yeah. really. Um, it's just to be good at it, it sort of takes more... Um, self-evaluation mm -hmm. and self-reflection than maybe other jobs do yeah absolutely yeah and you have to be annoyingly your biggest critic half of the time as well whether you like it or not right uh, yeah 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 you do <laughs> it kind of depends what kind what kinds of movies you want to make i guess um because some people you could make shit movies and have a career off that and that, that could be fine. Yeah, we, we show some movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we Tom, show some movies. Tommy is making bank, you yeah. know, from his one shit movie. And he, like, you know, he made bank on the, he made, he made even more bank once he finally started to admit it, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it's like. You could do that. Yeah. You don't have to try hard. What I'm saying is don't try hard. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're an actor, you're a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can come here to see Levi's Cinema the series here. It's the queer communal cinema season. Um, we're showing Pablo Lorenz, Emma from 2019. That's playing on next Tuesday of the you know the week this is going out. Um, I think it's dropping the 2nd of November. So it'll be playing Tuesday the 8th of November at 6 p.m. Then we've got Mono Fastfolds, The World to Come from 2020. That's playing on Tuesday the 15th of November, 6.15. And Angley's Brokeback Mountain, Playing in 35 millimeter, which is awesome. It's cool. Yeah. And that's going to be playing the following Tuesday on the 22nd of November at 8.35. And prior to each performance, your short film, The Smell of Cut Grass, will be playing. That is true. That is a statement that is factual. <laughs> <laughs> well, Levi, like I could talk to you for ages, but I know that the staff are going to start rolling in in a bit and it's going to just we're going to be in the way and i don't want to be in the way so um i'm gonna to have to wrap up unfortunately but we should do this again sometime because it's been really fun having you on and also it's just it's fun doing this i don't know i should do it more i feel bad i feel bad <laughs> i don't and i'm sorry to all the listeners out there for um turning into a psycho during um during the uh pandemic and screwing the whole format of this podcast up you know what um if you are listening, you can thank me now. <laughs> Say it out loud. <laughs> well, you can thank Levi by coming to see some of these films, right? Yeah. Which one do you that's think, right. like, you know, I mean, I guess a lot of people probably know Brokeback Mountain, but yeah. The World to Come and Emma are quite new. The World to Come and Emma are quite new. I My favorite of them is Emma. That's like yeah. one of my favorite movies. And I think the perfect like double bill. Um, but The World to Come is also astonishing quiet movie that even people might have seen at festivals that year but it was covid as well yeah. so it didn't really get a long cinema life um i think a lot of people would like that as well nice i'm, I'm like i kind of like because you, you know you have angley and i know you're like quite into angley and uh paul thomas anderson right there's like some people that um, filmmaker influences 
I don't really. Ang Lee was like I. I'd only seen like the Hulk, but <laughs> <laughs> before I made this movie and yeah. saw his early films, um, okay, broke back as well. I only saw like the last few months. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Well, it, well. Anyway, you've you've programmed a couple of new films though, and it's just like it's nice that they you're given the opportunity for a couple of new films that maybe not have gotten the love that they deserved getting mm. back on the screen yeah. you know when it's a little bit more open and yeah. then also you get to see a really cool short by up-and-coming filmmaker and someone who works here so come out com, get your tickets come say hi are you going to do like intro before each um i'm not doing an intro before, um, but i will be there i okay. will be there at, well at the mall. You mainly can, uh, just to watch them i like the movies <laughs> haven't seen them in the cinema so well if you're a creep out there and you somehow figure out who levi is you can say hi to him <laughs> <laughs> don't do that <laughs> <laughs> well levi thanks for coming on the podcast um one last question i always ask guess and i haven't had to ask this in a long time uh sweet salted or mixed popcorn mixed mixed Mixed. Mixed i like them all mixed is acceptable it's the sweet that we're we question (laughs) just going straight sweet i used to like sweet but working here has made me like mixed yeah kind of have that salt game going on in there yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right levi any parting words for the listeners ah, no i just thank you for having me thank you for supporting prince charles and the podcast and the movies and yeah man peace love all that jazz <laughs> you heard that go listen or go watch all that jazz maybe i've never well. seen that movie i mean no. now, now i'm thinking about it nice showtime folks <laughs> i think that's from that i, I can't remember who cares <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.